Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the Internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash stuff today for details. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Chris Follett. I'm an editor here at How Stuff Works. And next to me, as always, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Howdy, folks. And uh, we're going to continue our series, this being the second in the series. <laughs> so I guess technically it's not a series yet. We have to have one more. Well, they, well, okay. Unless you're the Braves in case those two games are a winning streak. Ow. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about some uh, we, some famous tech people here and there in our podcast. Mm-hmm. And today we have chosen to speak of Ray Kurzweil. That's right. Ray Kurzweil. Uh, and if you haven't heard the name before um, – Shame on you. No, no, we're, we're going to fix that. Uh, we'll start off slow. I, I, I want to talk about uh, kind of his entry into the whole tech world. He was interested in computers back when computers were pretty much brand new. Yeah, we're talking punch cards. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, he was uh, known for being he, – he was one of the people – first people who was really interested in artificial intelligence. Oh, yeah. For computers. Um, starting off with simple pattern recognition where you could teach a computer to recognize a pattern of information and identify it and respond when it detects that pattern. Uh, and one of the famous first attempts that he made was a program that he created for a computer where it could um, analyze classical music and look at all the different uh, features of classical music from famous composers and then compose music itself based upon the information that it gleaned by looking at this music. And uh, he actually went on a, a, a kind of a goofy little game show where they played this music and they had the contestants had to guess that it was the computer that made it. But anyway, I just thought it was kind of cool that he created this computer program in the first place. Uh, you know – uh, I gotta say, it's a classic game show. It's I, it was, yes. I've got a secret with, with Ray Allen yeah. as host. Yeah. And, uh, I, I just need to point out, this was in 1965 and he was in high school when he was on national TV. Right. Doing with, this. With a computer project. program that he had created that, that did, that had this pattern recognition ability. That's that, pretty amazing. That's pretty awesome, I gotta say. So, but th- that's just the very beginning of his amazing career. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he went on to, uh, to work at, MIT. Yep. Um, and uh, there he actually uh, created a program that would try to match kids and colleges together for the best fit. Right. Uh, not necessarily a hit with the parents. No, because it left out some pretty important schools, it seemed. It didn't seem to recommend certain big name schools like Harvard and Yale, as I recall. Yes. Well, you know, if you're suited for uh, Podunk Community College, it was going to tell you the truth. Right. <laughs> apparently. Right. But he, he sold that business. Oh, yeah. He did. And uh, made a tidy profit. I think it was for about $100,000. Yeah. Which is a, a good chunk of change. And uh, that was not the first time that he he founded a company and then later sold it. In fact, he's kind of made a career of that. Yeah. Speaking of pattern recognition, we've right. noticed as we yeah. were doing the research for uh, for Mr. Kurtzweil that um, he has sold off several of his companies. And I think 
all of them are still in existence right. in all, some form all or of another. The, all of the that's, four major companies are still operating in I, some form or another. That's a good That's a good. Uh, that's not record. a bad track record at all <laughs> when you look at the companies that are around these days and which ones aren't around. That's true. So, yeah, in 1974, he founded uh, the Kurzweil Computer Products Incorporated company. Um, and that was one where, again, pattern, pattern recognition came into play. That's where he was looking at ways for computers to recognize printed text and uh, to be able to actually read that printed text. So this came in very handy for people who were visually impaired. You could have a computer that could, uh, when when you scanned a, a sheet of paper that had text on it, could interpret that text um, and read it back. And and this is trickier than you would first think. I mean, you might think, oh, well, you just have to teach it what an A looks like. You can't just teach a computer what an A looks like. You have to teach it, teach it what a uh, Times New Roman A, an Arial A. A Comic Sans A, a handwritten A. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, not all A's are created equally. And you had to do this for every single letter. It had to be able to interpret on the fly sometimes because you don't always have the most clean copy of text either. Um, so Kurzweil dedicated a lot of, of time and energy into perfecting this. And um, he got a lot of attention for it. Yeah, um, you might know this technology by uh, by its initials, OCR, which is uh, optical character recognition. Mm-hmm. And you say, "Oh, yeah, that's the uh, that's the system they use on my flatbed scanner." Well, funny you should mention that, right? Because uh, as Jonathan pointed out, this is this is a very useful thing for people who can't see. Because um, a suggestion came in from uh, a visually impaired person and said, "You know, it'd be really cool if you could do- use this for that." Right. And so they invented the flatbed scanner and a text-to-speech uh, program to work together with this optical character recognition and, and do exactly that. And it, it ended up being called the Kurzweil Reading Machine, mm-hmm. which uh, debuted in January of 76. And uh, that, that you know, there was a reasonably uh, well-known fan of that system. Oh, wait. I think I know who you're talking about. You're not wondering? No, I now I know. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> yes, exactly. Stevie Wonder. I did read that. I was thinking, well, you know, I think I know who said that. But, and yeah, Stevie Wonder was, uh, he was the first customer, wasn't he? He bought the first one. He bought the very first one. Right. And, and just as a note before, uh, I, you know, I'll let Jonathan get back on that. But when I started, we were talking about ideas for people, famous people. Um, I, Kurzweil's been on, on my reading list for a while. I, he has several books out. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, I thought, you know, that's the guy who makes the musical instruments. Mm, right. Well, this is the start of all that. Yeah. When he became friends with Stevie Wonder as a result of uh, developing this reading machine, they developed a partnership for music, uh, you and know, actually, which we'll talk about in a minute. But that's where I knew him from was the musical instruments. So delving into his past, he's got all these different things that he's done. Right, right. So it's just a personal note. Sorry. No, okay. no, no. Okay. I think I think we should just keep on building on that. Yeah, and, and he he founded uh, Kurzweil Music. Oh yeah. And um, together with Stevie Wonder, he managed to create a synthesizer that sounded more like a, a an actual piano than any synthesizer up to that that time. And in fact, in uh, blind tests, many musicians could not tell the difference between the synthesizer and a real grand piano. Um, which of course was a huge, huge uh, achievement because up to that point, computer instruments sounded a lot like a Kraftwerk record, right? It, well, it, computer instruments was <laughs> exactly. what I was going to say. They sound, they sounded, did, they sounded artificial. They did not sound natural at all. So Kurzweil really made some some great progress into uh, into breaking that barrier so that you could have a more natural sound coming from a digital instrument. Yep. 
And uh, as a matter of fact, um, that company got sold. They actually created Kurzweil Music Systems. And uh, that company got sold off to uh, uh, um Asian company called Young Chang. Yes. Um, and it's still doing business. He was actually a consultant for a while. Um, right. Apparently is no longer. But he's got some other stuff he's done. Um, you know, like speech recognition, for right. example. He uh, came up with the first large vocabulary speech recognition system in 1987. Yeah, you might be sensing a pattern here. Pattern recognition. <laughs> hey, uh, now, now instead of text, he's looking at speech. Uh, this was part of the uh, Kurzweil Applied Intelligence uh, Initiative that yep. he made. Um, yep. Yeah, it's... Uh, so once again, he's looking at ways that computers and people interact, uh, trying to break those barriers down as much as possible so that the interaction becomes very natural and, and almost to the point – ideally, you get to the point where you're not even conscious of the interface anymore. It's just – it just happens. And of course, we're, we're miles away from that right now. But it's because of things like like the speech recognition and the text recognition that Kurzweil worked on that we're making progress toward that goal. True. So, yes. <laughs> and speaking of uh, print-to-speech, there was uh, another company founded, uh, Kurzweil Educational Systems, um, yet, yet another program. And uh, there were a whole bunch of other little things that he's done that are just fascinating. Um Fat Cat, for example, yes. I thought was really cool. Yeah, it's pretty um, neat. Using uh, computer algorithms to predict the patterns of the markets. Right. You would, you're essentially stock trying markets. to create a, a an artificially intelligent stock market trader. So you would you would follow the the guidance of an artificially intelligent. You know, I've met some stock market traders. I would suggest that a lot of their intelligence is completely artificial. So I don't see this as a big stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing is uh, it's not really their fault. The, the no. markets just do what the markets do yeah, it anyway. It does so make I, you wonder, I, like, can you, can you program in that kind of intuition? I, I, I am very curious as to yeah. how Fat Cat performs, actually, because yeah. uh, so much of the stock market is beyond just just um, logic. I mean, mm-hmm. you have to you have to take in so many factors into account. Uh, just crowd psychology, for one. We're we're seeing right now in the markets where they're bouncing up and down. That that as people gain confidence and lose confidence, so goes the market. And you know, it's kind of hard to just predict that all on its own. Yeah, yeah. I think we probably have all experienced some proof of that in the last right. Let's while. let's not think of our four hundred one k's at the moment, <laughs> shall we? Um, other things, uh, Mr. Kurzweil has been involved with, uh, you know, the medical learning company, which has a uh, patent for online doctor training. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, the, uh, oh, Kurzweil cyber art, which is a, a digital art software company that apparently, uh, no longer has its program available for download, but essentially was tricking your computer into dr- drawing things for you. Nice. Uh, which was kind of cool. I think it was more of a just a messing around type thing, but um, and yeah, he's, still he's a website messed, around, about, messed yeah. around with some other stuff. I know that if you go to the Kurzweil AI uh, site, he has a was it Roberta the uh, <laughs> the artificially intelligent creature that you you can ask it questions and answers. I played with that a little bit before the podcast, and uh, and it's definitely not up to the Turing test just yet. Yeah, but um, yeah. but you, know, you can see where where his interests are. In fact, we should probably talk about that. As Kurzweil is is you know we're talking about a lot of his past accomplishments, but you might be saying, well, what's he up to today? He's right on the forefront of all the people who are talking about something that um, well, you might call it a convergence, you might call it a, a the singularity, but it's this idea of reaching a point where we have artificially intelligent machines. He likes to call it accelerated intelligence. 
Um, but artificially intelligent machines that can create new, smarter artificially intelligent machines. And we just reached this point where it becomes, it's the tipping point really where innovation comes at, at, at shorter and shorter gaps. So eventually you get to a point where it's just constantly innovation and, and no one really knows what that's going to look like. Um, and uh, he's one of the people who really is is kind of a, a proponent of this idea. Um, he's talked about the singularity many times and uh, seems very, very enthusiastic about it, um, as opposed to some people who are really scared of it. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, the singularity was actually proposed uh, some time back by a mathematician named John von Neumann. Right. Um, and he was saying, you know, this is a point after which – Human affairs cannot continue as normal. That's a sort of vague description. Uh, Werner Vinge. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this is an article that, that Jonathan just wrote not too long ago. Right. Um, he was talking about the possibility that uh, machines will become artificially intelligent and, you know, design better machines and decide we're irrelevant and that, you know, we should just go away. Right. Or the other side of the coin, he doesn't say that that's necessarily what would happen. Um, he does say that no matter what, our lives will be completely different and to the point where it's almost, it's almost pointless to try and imagine what our lives will be like because there's no way of knowing right now. But we, it could be the opposite. We could be living in a paradise where machines are doing everything we need them to do for us. Um, we don't have to do anything for ourselves and we can pretty much spend our lives just, you know, learning new things or, uh, pursuing art or, fooling around, you know, whatever happens to be your your purpose for life. You don't necessarily have to clock in and clock out every day because machines are doing it for you. Right. Um, I'm sure that psychologists and psychiatrists will still be in great demand. Uh, <laughs> doctors will probably still be in demand. I'm I mean, there's farmers. Farmers, definitely. I mean, some things humans will probably still have a hand in, although a lot of those tasks, even in those fields, will be automated by machines uh, according to this vision. And we might even get to a point where we don't even need them anymore. Perhaps our consciousness will merge with some sort of computer network, uh, which sounds really far out right now. But this, these are the kind of things that Kurzweil and, and Vern, as I like to call them, talk about. I mean, they they <laughs> – they are not outside the realm of possibility in their minds. Well, yeah, it's it's funny uh, that you said that because I was going to point out that uh, Ray Kurzweil is uh, believes that this is actually going to be a good thing, right? Um, and instead of being the end of human conscience consciousness, thank you. Um, nice. <laughs> it's actually going to be the the start of something really cool where it's going to prolong human consciousness and preserve human consciousness, which is why uh, he's been doing a lot of uh, preparation. An article in uh, Wired earlier in 2008, um, I read that he is taking massive doses of vitamin supplements and uh, doing a lot of exercise to try to prolong his life in order to catch up to the singularity right. so that his consciousness can be among those preserved he and he'll, he'll catch the boat. He wrote a book about that, in fact, about, about, uh, living a healthy lifestyle. He was able to, uh, to beat heart disease and diabetes. Type 2 diabetes. Yeah. That's pretty serious stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, he's definitely determined to see this come about. And according to, uh, to Vern, uh, we should expect it yeah. before the year, say, I think it, what was it, 2030, something like that, 2035. So, so not too far off. I yeah, mean, uh, and the, the whole point on that is just the idea of this development cycle. It's getting shorter and shorter and shorter for us to make more and more powerful machines. Now, whether or not we hit a, a barrier 
before we can hit the artificial intelligence slash accelerated intelligence goalpost, that remains to be seen. We may not be able to, to achieve it as fast as everyone thinks because we might actually hit physical limitations on what we can, what we can really do. And that could slow us down. Next thing you know, it might be 2060. Yeah. Which would be really depressing. They're always putting off good stuff like that, you uh, know, when the machines take over. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the book that I was most interested in was the, uh, the age of spiritual machines when mm. human computers exceed human intelligence. And right. that, that sort of gives you an idea of the, uh, um, the concept that he's got that Kurzweil's right. got of what he expects from the singularity and in, in the future. So, uh, it would be, uh, interesting to check out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely have to keep our eyes on that. Yep. You know, um, I've got something, uh, a similar field that, uh, Kurzweil is actually interested in. Yeah. That relates to this that I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. But before we do. Okay. I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Oh, yes. So we have our sponsor, audible.com. And if you sign up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash tech stuff, you'll get a free download. When you, when you sign up, you can download any book for free. And they have 50,000 books on audible.com. It's a huge library. And, uh, we each came up with a, an, a book to suggest that kind of sort of relates to our topic. Chris, you wanna, you wanna go first? Sure. Since we were talking about, uh, Werner Vingi. Right. Uh, he is a noted science fiction author. And, uh, his book, Rainbow's End, is, uh, is available now at audiblepodcast.com. Nice. And, uh, you know, could be an interesting, worthwhile read and insight into his uh, his background there. Right. Uh, mine, mine I, I played a little bit here. Uh, okay. Um, Let's hear it. I'm also a science fiction fan, uh, but I chose Pattern Recognition uh, uh, by William Gibson. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I wanted to go with Neuromancer, but I didn't see that on Audible.com. But they have Pattern Recognition, which is another William Gibson book. It's not actually about the same sort of pattern recognition that Kurzweil was talking about, uh, but it's, it's a great exactly. mystery. But and, and it is a good book, yes. It is a good book. I would a recommend real, it. real page turner, or if uh, you're listening to it on audible.com, it's an excellent listen. I mean, you should definitely <laughs> listen to it. Uh, that could be one of your, that could be your free download if you wanted. Just play it by ear. Right. So you can sign up for that at www.audiblepodcast.com slash techstuff. And now let's get back to what I was going to talk about. The technology I was going to talk about that Kurzweil is very much interested in. Oh, yeah? Nanotechnology. Ah, yes. It's definitely part of this whole concept of the singularity, um, building devices that are on the nanoscale, which is incredibly tiny. We're talking like on the atomic level. And, uh, nanotechnology is one of those things that probably is going to be necessary in order to achieve these goals. I mean, we're already building transistors that are on the nanoscale. Oh, yeah. So if you want to learn more about that, I recommend you read How Nanotechnology Works. That's by <clears throat> Jonathan Strickland. <laughs> Not to toot my own horn, but How Nanotechnology Works, and it's live right now at HowStuffWorks.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?